And I looked out and there was this big red blinking UFO. I can just say this, something's going on in the woods. Something's going on. They're not dogs, they're not coyotes. What could it be, right? I had an encounter with a skunk ape and it completely altered the course of my life. I found a skull. I think you guys are gonna wanna come build this. Put them out, put them out, put them out, put them out, put them out. I just say it, I just say it, I just say it. Sightings of a UFO hovering over a barn? Millie woke up from a dream, and when I went into the bedroom, she said there's a monster on the wall. They saw that the creature had run through a barbed wire fence. They were able to obtain hairs. They sent the hairs to their lab, and it came back as an unknown creature. Hello, 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 Squatchers and Paranormal Experiencers. Welcome, welcome to Bizarre Encounters. I am Shane, along with my good other half host with the most, Ghost. How is it going today, bro? It's going good. It's going good. How are you, man? That was almost a tongue twister. It's kind of hard to say. <laughs> I, had, I had the concept in my head and I was trying to, trying to project it right. <laughs> you did good. You did good. I was proud of that one. That was that was a first take for everybody. You know, usually we'll we'll come in. You know, we'll do like one or two before we go. But that was a first taker. Not too bad. Not too bad. So too I bad. guess to get people popping in with the show, man. Uh, well, what's new with you this week, man? We got we got to do a little bit of touching butts first before we hop into into the concepts. Yeah. Uh, not much. Uh, getting ready for I guess the well by the time this airs, uh, I'm not even going to talk about weather. Uh, but no, uh, this week not much of anything uh, really. Uh, last weekend I. Went down to Gettysburg and toured the battlefield and did a haunted or- orphan tour and uh, just recorded. Oh, I guest guest hosted on Patriot Party po- podcast and then you know just did the regular same old shit, different day type of routine over here. Dude, we got to get into uh, your your last weekend. We we're talking about it on the show a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to like preface it a little bit. If you know some of the stories behind the places that you went, and you can kind of give people an idea of like. Sure, nothing super crazy happened, but it's always cool to know the backstory still. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so the backstory uh, to this haunted orphanage, uh, this lady by the name of Rosa Carmichael. Now, this is an actual historical documented case. And I guess every year on November 19th, um, and this even dates back because I, I believe, oh, when was she? I think it was like 1878, somewhere in there, maybe 79 is when she was finally like she she eventually got charged and fined and told to leave Gettysburg. But she didn't leave for like a year later or whatever. But um, even after the war, because obviously Lincoln was assassinated, they'd always have an impersonator um, come and he would give a speech in front of the orphanage because before all this shit was found out, it was supposed to be prestigious. You know, uh, it was designed for widows of soldiers who died in the civil war that they could go there. They could get an education. They could, you know, go on and further themselves in lives, learn a trade, you know, whatever it may be. However, that wasn't really, I mean, it was the case, but there was a lot of dark shit going on behind the scenes. And, uh, the one picture I, I did take that they had hanging in there was it was the um, um, 
Lincoln impersonator, but Ulysses S. Grant was actually standing there and there was a few orphans, you know, standing outside. It was really neat. And to, to see the building as it was then compared to what it, what it looks like now on the, on the streets, like, cause there's more buildings like added on and like they, the orphan that we were in the orphanage, I believe was the males. And then they added another building, which was the females, but now another business has moved in and has started renovating it. So it's not associated with the, the ghost tour uh, per se of that. And like you, we went in the basement around the property. Uh, they still have the outhouse um, on the property and it was like the dining area. So like when you walked in the front door of this, this little the front room was the shop, but that was actually like the classroom and stuff. And then there was, they still had the old door and then the old tables and what have you. And we went in there and turned out the lights. They passed around a K2 meter, nothing really hit. Um, then when we went to the basement, uh, talk about, talk about a six foot four guy. Okay. Going down these rickety little steps, my shoulders touching this wall and my, my arm touching the rock wall on this side, you know, and they weren't even like full, <laughs> maybe foot and a half wide. And I'm sitting there and then I get down in there and I'm like ducking over and, you know, they have benches where we can sit. Uh, but while we were down there, uh, the lady was telling the backstory and basically what, I guess what caused it all, I'll just read a little bit of the overview of what the tour was. Okay. It says, this is not your everyday ghost tour. The encounter you have chosen is a first-person dramatic presentation. Uh, your ghost guide has returned from the from the dead to tell their story and lead you on a tour to some some of their favorite haunts. Your guide tonight is the ghost of Rosa Carmichael. Okay, and this lady did an amazing job. Like she dressed in in period clothing and like what did they call pictures back then? Ambrose, I think they were called. Am Ambrose's or something like that. And she's, you know, she's, you can take Ambrose's with your, your little bucks that you carry around, you know, and like, you know, referring to our cell phones and this, you know, dude, even and, the uh, atmosphere is sweet. Even if you didn't have like any experiences, like yeah. just all that's really cool. Like as oh. far as just being like a history nut, man, like I would be entertained just by going there and seeing it, even if nothing yeah. happened. <laughs> oh, totally. It, and they add awesome. that on top. It's just a cherry on top, man. Yeah. And she had, <laughs> And I, I must be the thing down there. They all carry like a, uh, a lantern, uh, the people that give tours and stuff. Cause a lot of, there's like 17 total, like 17, uh, different people that give, um, walking tours in, in Gettysburg. Are they so, all cycle through at the same time kind of a thing? Or is it just like one person per night? Um, it's, they, they all go, they all have their times that they start. So like when we were leaving, we saw two or three other people on different tours yeah so they're all staggered then yeah yeah and they're not it's not all this like like this company only focused on this orphanage you know what i mean whereas another company focuses on maybe something up on like on cemetery hill or something like that you know what i mean mm -hmm. um but so the lady like i said she was dressed in, in period clothing and i mean even even had the kind of the lingo of the day, you know, just in, in certain things that she would say and, and kind of an accent. Uh, I always appreciate that. That's like that Renaissance festival 
esque yeah. idea. Like I love that man when they actually like pull it off. Like I love when they're like you're saying when they're like, oh, your tiny little boxes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Rosa was the second uh, headmistress of the Gettysburg Children's Orphanage, founded in 1866, and the home for children whose fathers had died while fighting for the Union. The orphanage had thrived in its early years under the supervision of uh this is a weird name felinda okay felinda 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 yeah felinda humiston um her picture is depicted in there and her three kids like the whole story behind that well I'll, i'll finish this paragraph and then we can get into that um but in 1870 rosa took control and the condition slowly declined. By 1876, the citizens were appalled by the appearance of the orphans. Their health, clothing, education, and attitude were noticeably lacking. So this Felinda uh, Humiston, basically, I forget the name of the doctor. Okay, so this doctor came across this dying Union soldier, and he had an Ambrose, basically a, a picture of his three children, okay? And I forget the the children's names. I should have wrote them down. I should have recorded the fucking tour is what I should have done, but didn't think that far ahead. Um, You're living in the moment, man. (laughs) Yeah, I was. But this doctor found it, and he he was determined to find, you know, who these these kids were and, and the mother and this and that. So he made printed copies or something, passed them through all through every newspaper he could think of all the way up in New York, Virginia, everywhere. And it wasn't till about, I think it was like a year later or something like that, that this Felinda Humiston um, wrote back and said, I believe these are my, my children. And they met up and she produced, you know, a picture of her children and compared it to that one. It was. So that's when they, this doctor said, look, I want to, help you financially any way I could set up this orphanage, you know, all the proceeds will go back to you and your kids. So they get an education, this and that. None of that ever happened. Of course not. Why would it? (laughs) So after not receiving anything, he, the the doctor's like, well, why don't you come in and be the head, uh, head mistress, I guess. And she was like, okay. And she you know, back then, I guess it cost $25 a year to raise a kid, which I'm fuck, sure I wish. <laughs> yeah. I'm, <laughs> but times were a lot different, though, too. So um, I could so buy a sandwich could, for a penny. Yeah. <laughs> or a half and half a cent. But I guess things started. She started seeing the, somebody. I don't know if it was the doctor or what. And she eventually just up and left. And left her kids there and went on about her life. And that's when Rosa Carmichael took over. And apparently she was torturing kids, uh, drowning them, uh, just doing horrible shit to to these kids. And a young boy was found locked in the outhouse on Christmas Eve in 1876. An investigation found that Rosa had been abusing her wards, uh, chaining them to the walls in her cellar, locking them in a dungeon, confining them to uh, in vats of water where some 
of her abusive were some of her abusive punishments. It was discovered that the children were missing had had she murdered them. So some obviously if they're missing, you know, and, and my buddy and I were even kind of that was like the joke when we were torn the battlefield because on each plaque where you go to a station, I'll say how many how many troops arrived, how many were killed, and then how many were missing. Well, obviously, if they're missing, they're dead. Yeah, just you know assume I mean? they're dead at that point. Yeah, and I I was even joking with Rory. I'm like, man, I'm I'm gonna hold out hope. I I think they're gonna I think they're gonna find these soldiers, and uh, maybe maybe they maybe they have a hidden camp somewhere. And they they, they just. <laughs> They're all, all they're all hiding in uh, Argentina with with Hitler. <laughs> That's yeah. where all the soldiers just go and hide when they disappear on the battlefield. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I guess there was a trial. Uh, the murder could not be proven, but she was found guilty of child abuse. And after being fined a whopping twenty dollars, whoa, th- yeah, thrown out of town. Now the story goes, she didn't. She still stayed there. She was like, "Fuck it," you know. I'm Rosa Carmichael. You know, she was aristocratic, you know, just clearly a twisted person. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess uh one night about a year later in the middle of the night she just vanished. So some speculate maybe the people of the town might have drug her out and killed her. Some people say maybe she just fled and went to a different state. You know, no, nobody really knew. There was no I'm just Basic. speculating after hearing the story, but my assumption would be knowing the day and time, the town probably killed her because mm-hmm. that's how people go missing because nobody in the town speaks of it because everybody in the town does it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and back then, I mean, fuck, you took, you, a lot of times you took the law into your own hands. So. Yeah, nobody, nobody's questioning it. Even the sheriff themselves would be doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, it was fun. Uh, we went into, like I said, when we went down into the basement, I mean, now... Was that the basement that the kids were chained up in? Yes. So here's here's the thing with that. Um, when you uh, when you go down in there, okay. Let me back up. When we came off the street and went back into the the, the first level, she she joked. She's like, "Don't look in the in the pit." And they have a like a like a little. Uh, mannequin down in there you know kind of changed showing what the, the kids were um kept in and what have you uh hang on let me turn that down but down in the basement i took a picture it's really hard to see in the picture that i took and n- n- just about all the pictures that i did take down there were in pitch black so i had to kind of think where it was and, and and snap the picture but there's still a part of uh the thing where they would chain them to the walls. There was yep. there was yep. one one still left there. Let's say you'll have to send me that after the show. I kind of want to see yeah. it. Was there yeah. any like orbs or anything in any of those pictures down there? Because I feel like that would be the most concentrated place if I had to assume. I got what I believe to be one orb, and that was in the dining room. Um, R- Rory and I didn't get anything um, picture-wise when we were in the basement. However, we... Uh, we both had this app. It basically acts as like a, uh, what, like a word box. Like yeah, the little... spirit box or whatever they're called. Was, oh, is yeah. it like Necro something? There's somebody telling me about an app. It was uh, John John. Shout out to him, paranormal investigator. But yeah, he was talking about some really good one that he uses. It's called like Necro something. Ghost hunting tool. Is that, that's what it's called. I don't know. But 
when we were down there, we turned it on. Okay. First came the word calm. We're like, okay, all right, everybody be calm. Then a George came through and the tour, tour guide actually said that there was a kid named George there at, at some point. Like she could, she confirmed that. And then we got 12 and we were like, okay, is there 12 kids down? You know, nothing. And then it, then mind came up, uh, us or us, um, advantage, advantage. And then the word, the name Anthony came up. Now this is where it kind of got a little cool because the group that went back, like they had a door that you go through. And when I mean, you had to crawl back into where this place, what they called the dungeon, you, you literally had to crawl. And so you crawl and you go through where they had broke a hole into the wall and, and we were sitting in there and what have you. Well, this tour for the group that went back there, we went in small groups. Rory and I were the last two, so it was nice. It was just me and him. I guess a lady had taken a picture right in front of her, complete dark, and there was an orb attached to this one lady's hip on her back. And as they were coming out, that lady um, was the first one to come around the corner, and that's when Anthony came across my thing. And all of a sudden they sit down and they're like, yeah, look at this picture. There's an orb stuck to, you know, on her. And she's like, oh yeah, that's my uncle, Anthony. Um, <laughs> he's been with me the whole time since I was a little girl. And I said, what'd you say? And she said, I said, what was his name? And she's like, Anthony. and I was like, I showed her, I said, that just came through right as you walked around the corner, that name. And she's like, oh, wow. I was like, that's pretty cool. Then the word engine, ask him, Walter. Walter couldn't be confirmed. Uh, tendency, dream, tool, filled, original, united, balance, frustrated, and I believe, yep, yeah, frustrated was the last last that we got that when we were sitting in the parking lot. We were just kind of sitting there playing with it. And what have you? Were you wearing a tool shirt when this happened? Because that'd be funny if it was reading off your no, shirt. No, actually, I was, tool. Wearing, I was wearing my uh, my uh, one dangerous world uh, <laughs> podcast t shirt. So. Oh, that that would have been really funny if you were wearing a tool shirt. <laughs> yeah, but I I looked at Roy as like tool, and you know, could it be tool the band? Because obviously, it's my favorite band. Or was there like meaning like a an actual tool? So I don't know. It it, it was it was interesting. I don't. You know what I mean? That was the first time I ever really played with, you know, like a, a voice meter, voice box per se that supposedly picks up on this shit. So I, I don't know, but I that'd be the place to do it, though. Yeah, up, upstairs. What I think, and then the other phenomena that I kind of caught, we walked back out because we wanted to take some pictures of where the cemetery was behind, where we kind of came up behind the orphanage and what have you. And like I said, there was parking lights okay but where we were standing we were aiming our cameras at completely in the dark no flash and taking pictures and like obviously new phones you can set them up that it enhances nighttime photos and, and this and that well the one i got looked normal and i took two right in a row i swiped to the next one and you can see like part of it like there's like a, a brightish like hue or light faint like a faint light like it would be like right on the, the corner or whatever of the top photo 
So I don't know. That's what I caught. He didn't catch any anything on his his cameras or anything, but I don't know. It's oops, it was pretty interesting. Uh, are you familiar with a stump doll? No, I'm not. Okay, these are what the Amish now make the the faceless dolls. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what those are. I just didn't know what the name for them was. Yeah. Well, basically, it was a piece of material that was in basically a rectangle shape. Okay, and then they would take a piece of cloth and sew it around the bottom for a skirt, and then a triangle piece of cloth and sew it around the top for a hat, and it wouldn't have a face. And I guess they found um, a few of these. I took a picture of it. I'll, I was trying to post these on my my IG, but for whatever reason, I'd go into my phone, go to my camera roll, I'd hit share to, and I was going to share it to IG, and it says unable to share this photo. And I'm like, what the dun dun so, dun. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to try emailing them to myself, and maybe do it on the on the on the laptop. Maybe maybe I'll have better luck that way. But it was freaky, like it. It, it's old it's decrepit you know it's from the 1800s mm-hmm. and i guess some like they sell them in there and the, i guess they've had uh, a few people either write or call back and say uh i guess this this lady in new york took one home for i guess I, her daughter or something and she put it on the bed with like a hundred different other stuffed animals and like a day or two later uh she found it in the guest room sitting by itself and she asked her daughter she's like well did you move it here she goes yes that doll will not be quiet all it does is talk all night long <laughs> and i was like oh shit but it, so they get reports of them actually containing spirits so i i i mean people just attach kids attaching themselves to it just because yeah. it reminds them of something of their time and era you know mm-hmm. yeah I, I thought about buying one and i was like you know what no just got to surround it with salt. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. <laughs> salt, put it in a glass uh, cage and everything else. But See, that makes you wonder. I was going to ask, they have these tours, and obviously they're very haunted places. Do you think that because so many people turn it into a tourist attraction that they almost become less haunted because of it? Like maybe things are passing on because it's not like a scary aura to it anymore because there's just constant people going through with tours and things like that? Or do you think maybe slowly piece by piece the haunting leaves from items like that because it seems like it just like the haunted tours like the locations are extremely haunted there was a crazy phenomenon that happened back in the day and then as the tours progress on it seems like it gets less and less you know Mm -hmm. it it could i have a couple different thoughts on that i i I can i can agree with how you're coming from it but i can also maybe even say because the tours are going on it's feeding it all that energy as well and allowing the the residual energy or the the entity to remain there and have some some type of power like it, it's refeeding but, but it's not like negative energy though i feel like it's positive energy because it's people coming there to like have a good time that are into that kind of stuff it's not like they're scared to be there you know what and i mean so it's like the energy. wrong side of energy i guess energy's energy i mean they drain True. batteries you know batteries aren't good or bad energy you know what i mean or maybe it's just that concept that you know maybe people manifest things to happen there because of them manifesting that things are going to happen there you know yeah yeah so it almost uh, becomes like a what's that word i'm always mixing up on like a totem or whatever kind of yeah i think yeah i think that yeah that sounds about right but i don't know i mean i definitely got different feelings different places in the battlefield like 
you'd, I'd feel it in my chest, just like different energies, almost not kind of like an anxiety, but just like an excited or just, you know, for, for a little bit. And then, you know, we keep, cause we did the driving tour and what have you. But when I was in the orphanage, I, I purposely didn't open up, open up because it was my first time actually seeking paranormal instead of paranormal seeking me. So I didn't really want to open myself up to the point where I might bring something back with me. If that makes any sense. Like yeah. I, when we were in the basement, cause basements freaked me out to begin with. And I'm down in an 1800s basement in pitch black. And I was actually completely calm. I was, I was good to go. Like, yeah, I wasn't freaked out or nothing, but I don't know. I don't know if that's because I was carrying a pocket full of crystals or what. I mean, it's also the safety of having everybody there too. Cause it's like, yeah. if anything weird happens, it's not like you're surrounded by people that aren't going to believe you. They're all people that are seeking the paranormal. So if anything happens, somebody, you know, gets scratched, everybody's going to be like, believe what's actually happening. You know, you're, yeah. you're not trying to sit there and trying to like defend yourself that you're not crazy for having something happen to you with those, that group of people. It's just, you know, a sense of comfort. Yeah. Yeah. The funny part was, because Rory and I were sitting there and after she turned the lights on, she's like, okay, everybody, you know, just take your time and, you know, leave, leave on your own and this and that. And this, this gentleman comes over with his wife or I, I'm assuming it was his wife. And he goes, he looked at me and Rory, he's like, do you guys do this a lot? And we're like, no, why? Oh, you guys just seem like, you know, w- what you're doing and, and, you know, you're really into this. I said, oh yeah, we're, we're into it. I said, this is the first tour we ever did. He goes, oh, well, I captured something on, on, a picture and I was wanted your opinion on it. And I was like, Oh, okay. Well, you know, what is it? He goes, well, I was facing my dogs and I took a picture of the bay window and I caught a reflection and my dogs were looking behind me of where it was, where it, so it was standing directly behind him and they were kind of growling and, and make, you know, making eye contact with whatever, you know, they saw. He shows the picture and there's clearly a, a transparent silhouette of a man standing there. Is it a shadow person? No, I mean it, you could see like a white t-shirt, you could see like he had brownish hair but he, but he was see-through. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I was like, dude, that's creepy. He's it, like, yeah, we've been trying to figure out, you know, if we could why or what. And I'm like, well, I, I said I don't know where you're from. He, he and I don't I don't remember if he did say. He's like, you know, see if you have paranormal investigators, you know, close to you where you live, and maybe they can you know, maybe shed some light on, on your property or something, but it, it was neat. I was like, holy shit. I mean, you could clearly see it plain as day. Dude, I always love the stories like that because it's clearly not somebody that's like photoshopping it. Like it's somebody that like legitimately was coming up to you seeking help, you know, and they're trying to figure it out. Like I like stories like that because it just brings validity to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Because I wasn't expecting that. You know what I mean? And I, I know Rory well because we were like, okay, you know, everybody's just kind of single filing going up the steps and you know t- taking their time and he just comes over to us and it's like oh you guys really into this and you know thinking we're investigators and <laughs> we're like no but my qualification is that i'm a podcaster i talk about yeah. this on the regular <laughs> i can yeah. talk about it all day i don't have any field work but <laughs> i can talk about it <laughs> exactly but yeah we had a good time we, we really did we hit a we hit a cool farmer's market on the way down got some good food, hit a nice beer distributor that totally overwhelmed me. I, I so many selections of beer. It wasn't even funny. Speaking of that, you got to share your find with the listeners because I'm sure they'll appreciate it just as much as I did when you sent me the picture. Yes. And it wasn't until I got home that I realized it was hard seltzer. 
and I'm not a seltzer fan, but I bought it. I, w- I was drawn into the, to the artwork and, um, what it was about. And I know you shared it and it was one of the, I, I still got to try and share that. I was able to text it to you, but uh, it was uh trick or treat. Was it trick or treat or cryptid? It was cri- trick or treat cryptid edition or something like that. Yeah. Tri- yeah. Trick or treat cryptid edition. Let me, oh, here it is. Trick or treat, uh, heart seltzer right in the name. I, somehow I missed that. You're uh, you're 20, drawn by the the cryptids. I, I yeah. would have been sold too. <laughs> it wouldn't have mattered what it contained. It could have been like wine, and I would have been like, "Yep, okay." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was uh, the 2022 uh, edition cryptids, and it had what appeared to be Frogman, um, obviously Sasquatch, Goatman. Then it had like a a goat looking thing with wings, a ghost with like. Okay, when I say wings on that goat, they're more like, I would say, like bat type wings. I think that's supposed to be Mothman. Pretty sure. From what the the picture that I was seeing, it looked like their attempt at a Mothman. Oh, with the ghost. The ghost, I wasn't sure, but the other one you're saying, I think it was Mothman. Okay. I don't know. Either way, though, if anybody wants to go and check that out, uh, we have a picture of it posted on our Instagram, so go and uh, find some for yourself. And if you find some, let me know where to find it if you're anywhere near the Michigan area because I've been looking for this because I just want to collect the cans, man. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm I'm assuming the last one was their attempt at Chupacabra. But on the the front of the case, or well, the 12-pack that I got, the sampler, it said two tricks, four treats. What will you get? And I was like, "Oh, I'm buying it." And I got home, and when I saw oh, it was seltzer, and I'm like, "Son of a bitch! I don't even like seltzers." And my wife saw it right away. She's like, "Why do you buy seltzers?" Uh, <laughs> just drawn by the by the artwork. What's Sorry. the trick? Is it like bitter? Like I don't want some nasty stuff. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> what is I it? I haven't I haven't tasted them yet. I I should probably throw them in the fridge. You have to send them to me instead. I'll take yeah. them. <laughs> there you go. I just want the cans, like I said. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to send you. I'll see if I can send you a couple of them. I'm sure you could because there's no yeah. there's no alcohol in it. If you just sent me cans, yeah, it'd be no problem. No, I was going to send you the cans with the alcohol in it. Oh, yeah. We just do it on the hush push, allegedly. <laughs> yeah, allegedly. Uh, yeah, underground uh, Pony Express uh, trains and stuff. Well, you, yeah. I'm going to drive to your state to drink them and then I'm going to be 100% sober and then I'll drive back to my state. For anybody that's yes. listening, that's how it's going to go down. <laughs> Absolutely. So I guess uh, if you want, we can start getting into the nitty gritty on this episode. Yeah, absolutely. This you sent me some good information on this one, and I was reading over what you, what you you found, and it, it was neat that it came from uh, uh, the British Isles, which you don't hear much of, other than maybe reports of giant black cats. That's about the only other thing that you you hear from the British Isles. And this one, this one's super weird. So I figured it would kind of fit the like Halloween slash bizarre encounters kind of theme so i guess this is kind of a prelude to to halloween so i guess enjoy the story of sam the sandown clown it's a a very weird one man (laughs) Mm, yeah totally uh before i hop into it do you have any uh anything else you want to comment about um not not really nothing that i can really think of uh getting getting excited uh october is here and it's one of my favorite months because it gets spooky and i like spooky so and we're just going to get even more spooky on the show. Well, at least next week, because next week will be Halloween week that we'll be mm-hmm. dropping that. So we'll give you guys a good uh, Halloween episode for that week. Absolutely. So the story of Sam the Sandown Clown 
takes place on the outskirts of Sandown, a seaside town on the southern end of the Isle of Wight. The town has a rich history stretching back to the Roman period when the area was used primarily for salt production. And up until the 19th century, Sandown was exclusively used as a military site since the beaches offered easy access to invading French troops. With the arrival of the train in the 1800s, Sandown grew into the beach resort town it would become known as in the 20th and 21st century. Today, Sandown is a traditional British seaside town featuring a long stretch of sandy beach, a high street filled with restaurants and shops, various attractions including a wildlife sanctuary and a dinosaur museum, since the area is rich with dinosaur bones, and a quintessential Victorian pier with a large arcade and beautiful views of the cliffs and sea. Sandown is everything you'd expect from a seaside town. It's busy in the summer, quiet in the winter, plenty of tourists come and go, often returning for the beautiful beaches and stunning views. It certainly isn't the type of place one would expect to run into an alien robot clown thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It sounds like a beautiful place to to visit. Um, Because I know when when I was in the Azores, uh, you'd go down and you'd see the water hitting against the cliffs and stuff like that. It was just, it was breathtaking. And, you know, I, I can see the attraction to why it would be a military outpost and, and you know, what have you. And, you know, a, a great tourist attraction. I'll have to ask my buddy from England if he has ever no- heard of this, this, this story, just, just to get his take on it. Yeah, I'm curious to honestly get somebody from that side of the, that side of the pond's reference on this because i want i'm yeah. curious if their stories change versus like what you'd find on the internet because mm-hmm. you know there's always word of mouth i'm sure either it changes or it's more to the t of what happened than what you'd find on the internet because we'll yeah. get into it in the story but there's like a half hour of conversation that just isn't included in any of the reports so like maybe he might have some information on what those that other half hour might have included mm-hmm. yeah very true but i guess hopping back in uh, the witnesses of the following event were two children, a girl referred to as Faye, age seven, and a boy of similar age, who wasn't given a name, so I'm just going to call him Bob, who were vacationing with their families near Lake Common in Sandown. It was a Tuesday afternoon around four o'clock in May of 1973 when Faye and Bob heard a weird wailing sound similar to an ambulance siren. Curious, they followed the noise across the golf course and towards a swampy area outside of a Sandown airport until the noise suddenly stopped. The children ventured onward in an attempt to find the source of the strange noise. They eventually came across a wooden footbridge where they had their first encounter with Sam. Now, this comes directly from the Bufora Journal, Volume 6, Number 5, January 1978, page 10. This is exactly how they describe it. A blue-gloved hand appeared from under the bridge, and a strange figure emerged. The figure fumbled with a book, dropped it into the water, and then splashed about to retrieve it. The two then watched the figure enter a metallic hut, similar to those used on building sites, except it had no windows. It moved along with a strange hobbling motion with knees raised high. Faye and Bob stuck around the area and only wandered about 50 yards away from the bridge when the figure appeared once again. This time, he was carrying a black knob microphone with a white flex attached. Immediately, the wailing sound returned and Bob did the reasonable thing and started to run away. But the figure, perhaps realizing he'd frightened the boy, seized the screeching sound and spoke into the microphone. Faye, who at this point followed Bob, 
a decent distance away, claimed they could hear the figure talking as if he was standing directly beside them. They heard his voice say, as if directly in their ear, hello, are you still there? Continuing to run away would have been the correct response, but Faye and Bob decided the voice sounded friendly and approached the figure so that they can converse properly. The closer they walked to the figure, the more confusing his appearance became. They said, he was nearly seven feet tall, had no neck, for his head appeared to be wedged straight on top of his shoulders. He wore a yellow pointed hat, which interlocked with the red collar of a green tunic. A round black knob was affixed on the top of his hat, and wooden antenna were attached on either side. The face had triangle markings for eyes, a brown square for a nose, and motionless yellow lips. Other round markings were on the paper white cheeks, and fringe of red hair fell onto his forehead. Wooden slats protruded from the sleeves and from below his white trousers. Now, like, I don't know, this sounds pretty pretty much like it, man. Like, if there's some creepy clown that's trying to have a conversation with some kids, man. I don't know about you, but if he says, hello, are you still there? I, that, that would just be more of a sense for me to just be another couple hundred feet away from this thing. <laughs> that, when I was reading this, was the same exact thought I had. I'm like, dude, this is like it. I'm like, you know. He sounds friendly. Let's go back. <laughs> yeah, let's go back, you know, you know. The little boat goes and disappears in the storm train, and you know, and then they go down and, and find the entrance, and all hell breaks loose. Obviously, no spoiler alert there, but yeah, it's just everything floats bizarre. down here except yeah. my book that I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, kids back in the 70s, like, th- this is why kids got abducted so frequently in the 70s, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, oh, well, let's go see what it is. No. Way less a uh, stranger danger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess you could try. Yeah, there's a lot, hell of a lot more trust in other humans back then, I guess. I don't know. But I mean, people never changed. So they were there. It just wasn't in the public eye. So that just almost makes it even creepier that people are just getting away with shit and nobody was mm-hmm. really questioning it. Yeah. All those yeah. creepy ass uncles, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, Faye and Bob's conversation with this figure was strange. As they approached with hesitation, the figure pulled out a notebook and wrote in large letters, Hello, and I am all color Sam. Faye read the confused message out loud, and the two children continued to move closer. (laughs) Beyond me while they're moving closer. They realized then, after Sam initiated verbal conversation, that his lips did not move when he spoke, which made his voice difficult to understand. Sam asked the children questions, and they asked questions in return. They asked about the ripped clothes, and Sam replied that they were the only clothes he owned. On the unnatural whiteness of his skin, the children asked if Sam was really a man, which he replied, no. They Mm -hmm. asked if he was a ghost, and Sam replied, well, not really, but I am in an odd sort of way. The children asked, what are you then? And Sam replied with the vague, you know, without elaborating further. Apparently, Sam also stated that he had no name, despite introducing himself as Sam and drew a sketch of what other like him looked like, implying that there were other Sams around. Sam confided that humans frightened him and that he was afraid of being attacked. But if he was, he said he wouldn't fight back. Why why give yourself the name Sam or is Sam an acronym? That's what I was wondering. Like, I don't even know what that could possibly stand for. Yeah, I don't know, like maybe supernatural automated 
man. I, I don't know. I was, I was oh, just kind of, if you're going into the robot idea of this, what if that was like like the the name of like the model of the robot? So you know, mm-hmm. like it wasn't his name, but it was what he referred to himself as. Because like if you were in kind of like Wally, yeah, like an artificial robot, and you didn't have a name, you just became conscious. You know, you'd look down, and if you had like a thing written on your chest, that would probably be what you'd go by. Mm-hmm. Not that he had Sam written on his chest, but right. I mean, who knows what he could have had underneath these ripped clothes that he was supposedly wearing, though. Yeah. Yeah, very true. I don't know. It just, that just it jumped out at me. I'm like, well, why would you call yourself Sam if that's not your name? And sitting here, you know, rereading it with you and, and listening as we're going back through it, I'm just like, maybe it was an acronym. And then, like you're saying, maybe it was something that was, you know, kind of like a model. You know, I'm, a, I'm Sam. That's my model type. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I, I have a Lenovo. For a computer, you might have a, a Surface or a Chrome or, you know, Dell or whatever. I almost wonder if he was just trying to find like a non-threatening name. But like in turn, mm. like, I don't know, Sam is a creepy name that you could use like in that situation. But at the same time, if you just think of the name Sam, it seems like a very like unthreatening name. So maybe right. he was just trying to find a name that just didn't sound threatening. Because if you're like, I'm Jack to the kids. I don't know. It's a little, <laughs> little more aggressive, you know. Or if you're just like, "Hi, I'm Sam," like you almost like kind of hear it in like a whisper, you know. But that just makes it creepier, though. It kind of fits the ambiance of it because you just imagine it in like a, "Hi, I'm Sam." <laughs> I'm Sam. Hi, how's it going? I'm Sam. Oh, his mouth didn't move, so it was more like, "Oh, I'm Sam." <laughs> I'm trying to figure out because there was a book called Sam I Am. I'm really curious if uh, Stephen King was inspired by this story to write it. Or like, because when when was it? Ri- I'm assuming it was written after this because this came out. Mm-hmm. This happened in '73. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, I feel like he may have been inspired by this. It's very possible because you and I both hit on the it factor. Um, when when reading through this right away, it was like, okay, it sounds like they're kind of could be in the sewers, you know, it, it, the weird type of, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but this house that he lived in or, or hut or whatever you want to call it. And you look back at the movie it and like they went into the tunnels and, and, and the sewer system and what have you. And there was, he lived, it, it lived inside this thing it, it, that was down in the sewer. So I don't know. He very well could have, I, I would like to know that myself be some kind of morphing creature thing (laughs) but i mean just like for whatever reason it seems to be that people dress up as clowns when they want to lure kids because like look at john wayne gacy like the dude was doing the same thing he dressed up like a clown lured children like why why is it that people dress up like a clown like in turn they've made them frightening because they try to use them as something non-frightening you know what i mean yeah yeah and (laughs) i don't have a fear of clowns but i know there's a lot of people out there that have a very healthy fear of clowns and what when was it was it oh was it 2018 or 2017 when when all those people were were dressing as clowns and scaring people on like hiking trails and shit like that yeah dude there was some uh, in my state where people were like getting violent about it though like they were like destroying property and stuff and i think there was a few like assaults with people dressed up like clowns like it was becoming like a whole thing and obviously, mm-hmm. it wasn't just one group of people. It was like a phenomenon that people started taking it too far, you know? Yeah, because <laughs> I- I'm surprised more people, when they came across those clowns, didn't have the attitude of fuck around and find out 
or if they did, that's why it kind of came to an abrupt halt. Because I know around here, if that would have happened, people would have been shooting these motherfuckers. Do I know for a fact in my city, there was two girls that they pretty much made like a like a thing saying like if anybody's seen out wearing clown masks that you're pretty much going to get arrested. And there was these like two girls that ended up getting arrested um, because they were doing the shit and they were like, you know, like uh, defacing people's property, doing shit like that. They had a bunch of evidence on them that they were doing that. But just another side story note, there was another group of high school kids that were doing the same thing. They're messing around, fucking around. And what ended up happening was they messed with the wrong dude's house. The dude came out and he attacked them, not realizing they're all underage kids. So I don't know what ended up happening with that. But like, again, mess with the wrong person stuff. It doesn't matter what age you are. If you're wearing a clown mask, dude, you're going to get hit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I said, fuck around and find out. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> Same with this clown, dude. If I saw some creepy ass clown thing trying to talk to one of my kids, it'd be fuck around and find out. I'll put a hole through that wood. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right but like he said, your... he wouldn't fight. So that almost makes it creepier too. But yeah. at the same time, if he's actually in that situation, you can say something to not be, again, frightening towards children. But if you're getting attacked. Like who knows what anything will do? Like anything turns primal in that state, you know? Oh, absolutely. You know, I'm not the, I'm not one to go out and seek a fight, but if, if put in a situation, yeah, absolutely. But I can sit here and say, I'm not going to fight back. Speaking of fuck around and find out, (laughs) continuing the theme of prelude to a missing persons case, Faye and Bob accepted Sam's invitation to enter his windowless metal hut. Accessed by crawling through a small flap. Upon entering, Sam removed his hat to reveal round white ears and a sparse brown hair. The children described the interior of the shack as containing two levels, the ground floor being well-papered in blue-green and covered with a pattern of dials, an electric heater, and wooden furniture they described as simple. The first floor had less headroom than the ground floor with metallic flooring. Sam hinted that he also had a camp on the mainland but didn't say where. When discussing his diet, Sam said he ate berries that he collected during the late afternoon. The location of the scavenging wasn't disclosed. He also said that after cleaning, the water from the nearby river was safe to drink. Sam then demonstrated how he ate berries, which was strange to say the least. Before eating a berry, he performed an odd conjuring trick. He placed the berry in his ear, thrusted his head forward, and caused the berry to disappear and reappear at one of his odd eyes. Repeating the process, the berry traveled to his mouth. A possible explanation could be that he was wearing some kind of protective mask and analyzing the berry to check that it wasn't poisonous. Now, what the fuck? Like, why do these kids just follow this guy into his weird-ass hut? What gets me is, like, in in 73, I'm pretty sure people were well aware of most of the Brothers Grimm's fairy tales. You know what I mean? So, like, Especially in wow. Europe, yeah. and they weren't like, you know, what Disney makes them out to be like. No. The sisters in, uh, what is it, Cinderella, they cut their feet to try to make sure that they fit in the shoes, and <laughs> then they get attacked by birds at the end until they die. Like, they're not what people envision them to be as far as no. Disney depicts them. Like, they were dark. <laughs> yeah. And, like, what kind of comes to mind is Hansel and Gretel. You know what I mean? Like, getting lured to the witch's hut and this and that. And it's like, all right. But this, the way this dude eats is really bizarre like why go into that kind of detail as a kid like okay he put it in his ear and it kind of came in and out and da, 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 and then eventually it went in his mouth 
It sounds like a parlor trick to try to just like, again, that creepy thing that cl- that you'll see a clown do in a movie before he like attacks a kid when he's trying to play that like, oh, look at me. I'm nice and friendly. And the next thing you know, he has razor True. sharp teeth and he's jumping at him. <laughs> like this sounds like re- like the prelude to that. Like, I-, I don't even know how you'd even get yourself in this situation, but you know, damn kids. <laughs> so um, just for a-, a little side note real quick, my, my buddy got back to me. Um, he's never heard of Sam the Sundown Clown. However, guess who lives there? What? Who? A very famous person. A very famous author, actually. Lives in Sandown? It's, yeah, lives on the Isle of... Uh, Isle Wright. of White? White. David Icke. Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow, that's weird. Yeah. I think yeah. he and, and moved there on purpose. One one. <laughs> yeah so i was about to say like if there's more of these things in a bunch of different places like what if these are some of the cases where people just go straight up missing what if it is honestly like a luring somebody in type thing but yeah i, I don't know man maybe maybe this one was just too much of like a wimp to actually like finish the act or something i don't know man yeah it's it, it's hard to say uh, like maybe because i know a lot of the missing 411 some of it has been debunked. You know what I mean? Like there, like he kind of made some of the stories up perhaps. So I don't know. Could he have taken some of his missing 411 story? I don't know. It's just, it's, it's weird that he wrote that book. He lives on this Island and you have Sam, the Sandown clown. If anybody ever gets him on a show, you'll have to ask him about it and see if he knows anything about this. (laughs) Yeah. And now there's no proof that these kids ever went missing or nothing like this. This, clown never kidnapped anybody but going back to the feelings it conjures up of it and how it played out and then you know you have david ike who wrote missing four i don't know it's just it's weird coincidences super weird (laughs) after 30 more minutes of conversation which is the part i was talking about earlier that they don't even tell you anything about it Mm -hmm. Faye and bob bid sam farewell and retreated back across the golf course they told the first man they saw that they had seen a ghost, but he didn't believe them. According to Bufora, the children were truly convinced that they had encountered either a ghost or someone dressed up in a particularly odd costume. Either way, they were very much under the impression that their experience was genuine, or so they claimed. On June 2nd, 1973, three weeks after their conversation with Sam, Faye confided in her father about her strange encounters. He commented on the detailed description of his daughter's experience, which he was able to briefly verify with Bob and how upset she was when he suggested it wasn't entirely truthful. Faye's father thought an explanation of Sam could be make-believe or a shared hallucination or a person dressed up to scare the kids. However, he felt a particular detail Faye gave him about Sam. Having three fingers and toes on each hand and foot was decidedly too difficult for someone to convincingly fake. There was also one important detail that Faye's father had his own bizarre encounter that made him take his daughter's tale a bit more seriously. Mm, three fingers and three toes. I don't know if they mentioned... Did they mention that when they described her, him earlier? Like, I know that that was part of it, but I don't know if I added that in earlier. No, I, I, no that's the only time it was mentioned in the notes. So pretend like you guys heard that earlier, that he also had three fingers and toes. <laughs> <laughs> So I also got um, an idea of like what uh, Faye's father's experience was. 
uh, trying to dig onto the other side of it because, you know, they kind of left it at that. So the story goes that three years earlier, on Tuesday, October 20th, 1970, Faye's father was driving towards St. Helen on the Isle of Wight on his way from Shanklin to Ride to visit a friend. To his right, Faye's father suddenly saw a large multi-lit aircraft flying low over the marshlands along the river. He pulled over to observe the craft and noticed that a wide ring of seven or more lights could be seen, each of them a large and clearly defined sphere, like a bright red cherry, and interspersed with a turquoise and white light. No sound could be heard. Faye's father resumed driving, and the object continued to fly parallel to him, eventually flying around 300 yards behind his car while rotating slowly. After stopping his car again, Faye's father got out and started to signal at the craft with his torch. So before I continue here, I'm kind of starting to wonder if that thing that the kids saw wasn't actually like a like a hut. It was actually like a land ship. Because that's mm-hmm. kind of the other impression that I get from it. What if it was just like a single manned ship and it just like, you know, kids description. I mean, it would make sense to crawl in. Like what if like the legs weren't working, he didn't land in the right place and that's why he was stuck there and that's why they had to crawl in is because maybe like the door to walk up couldn't be put out because it was, you know, stuck in a marsh, for example. That could be. That, that I didn't even think of that angle, actually, to be honest with you, but yeah. Especially considering it was a metallic it, it was metallic yeah. too. So, what does that sound like? It sounds like a spaceship, you know? Mm-hmm. And being a sphere, you know. Mm-hmm. The aircraft continued to follow him. And when he reached his destination, his friend also witnessed the flying object playing hide and seek between the treetops. Upon leaving his friend's house, the aircraft was gone. Following the incident, Faye's father would occasionally see single balls of red light in the sky, which would hang stationary or follow him along as though checking his movement. Two years later, on March 1st, 1972, between 9 and 10 p.m., Faye's father was sitting on the cliffside at Campton Bay, having been driven there by an unexpected tidal surge seemingly caused, in part at least, by some form of drowning underwater craft. From his location on the cliffside, Faye's father spotted two yellow lights approximately 40 feet away, peering up at me like the eyes of some horrible sea monster, he said, not far below the surface of the water. After observing the phenomenon, the tide eventually went back out, freeing Faye's father, who was able to get back to his car and drive home. So when his daughter Faye had her own bizarre encounter a year later with Sam, the Sandown Clown, he sympathized with his daughter's distress and considered how it could relate to his own experience. He also had his doubts that his daughter was lying, telling Bufora, I got the impression that Faye was somehow taken into a bubble of alien reality created by a strange personage. He told them he had just made the hut. Also, Faye told me that while they were talking to this ghost, two workmen nearby were repairing a post. They paid no attention to the strange charade as though they could not see it. And when Faye's father visited the location of Sam's homestead, the creature's metal hut was nowhere to be found, likely confirming Faye's father's own suspicion that his daughter was taken into a bubble of alien reality. Was there any connection between Sam and the UFO sightings made by Faye's father? He seems to suggest that there may have been. I'm kind of leaning more towards alien. Yeah, that's that's where I'm at with this one. The farther I go into it, um, like I said, alien or like alien robot, you know, or yeah. like what if this was some type? Okay, what if he had some other type of suit that would keep him safe in this environment? 
And when he supposedly maybe crashed in this possible place, which could explain like what, what the the hut, what if he had an issue with his suit and had to try to make something out of what he could find nearby, which would probably be the first thing he would find is trees that he can make things out of. So he like rebuilt himself the suit so that he could repair his ship. And then that's why he was gone after that. Cause maybe he was, he crashed, maintained, repaired, left. Mm. Very well could be. I don't know. Like I said, I'm, I'm leaning more towards alien or interdimensional being just because of phase father's, you know, count of seeing these orbs and UFO type, um, craft flying around and then just coincidentally two years later after that his daughter comes in contact with uh an orb a metal orb or metallic sphere and sees this weird guy that doesn't really move his lips which if you think most people that see grays say they kind of speak telepathically so was this sam speaking telepathically but they were thinking they were hearing him with their ears but they weren't they were actually just hearing him in their mind and that's why his lips weren't moving maybe that's what the the box was that he got because maybe Mm. like his language was literally that loud shrieking noise and then when he talks into this box maybe it amplifies it to them like telepathically almost and would make his you know make him speak in whatever language of wherever the hell he's at kind of like a translator yeah yeah like a translator box that's the impression that i get from that which kind of falls sense. back into the like alien or robot alien. But mm-hmm. the ghost comment though is still what kind of throws me off though. Because like Were when he says a ghost. A ghost because of the pale white skin? Yeah. Because that's the only ghost connection that I could, I could relate was just because how they described, or described the, the real white skin like around the cheeks and stuff. But like then he, said, he says not, not quite but sort of. So the impression that I get from that could also be a possible alien one because you hear that um, like the theories on like extraterrestrials that they could possibly be like us, you know, from like the future kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. So like almost what if he was trying to say that as a metaphor, that if he was something extraterrestrial, that he's like the ghost of you kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. That's kind of like deep for kids, but who knows? Like maybe he didn't quite understand the level of like, this is a, premature human that doesn't understand certain things uh, but the, still the, even the comment though like you know like that just makes me wonder though if he's thinking that way it could almost be anything but if he is thinking in the capacity of children like what would a child perceive that as where he would say the comment you know what I am like like what what would a kid perceive that as mm, maybe a ghost yep yeah, I, I still yeah. I still take it as an alien I yeah, feel like he maybe but, just didn't quite understand like what the word ghost was maybe. Mm-hmm. Or maybe there's like, um, I don't know, like a different, like when he says ghost, like if ghosts are possibly just an idea, just throwing it out there, like something that's not like how we perceive it. It's actually something like interdimensional. Like you're partly seeing like through a portal something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. What if he understood and knows this concept? So when they said, are you a ghost? Maybe he was saying sort of because he knows what ghosts actually are, that they could be something that's perceived through multiple dimensions. And what if there was some type of like a like wormhole phenomenon that was happening there where the kids were seeing into another dimension. So if he understood that concept, he could be saying like sort of like a ghost because 
you know, that, that would kind of fit that whole concept of like ghosts, you know? Yeah. And, and it could be the fact, like, like you were saying, maybe he, maybe he had the understanding that all humans had the same mental capacity because maybe wherever he's from, they're all created or, or born, whatever, whatever you want to call it, all already like matured at their highest. You know what I mean? Like, so going into the robot theory, you know, a robot doesn't know that it, it learned it. It just always knows, you know what I mean? Like, like a computer. Yeah, exactly. See, and like the other thing that I kind of questioned too is like, so he's made out of wood from like what the description of it sounds like. So yeah, that could be possibly perceived as a costume, but going into another side theory, what if, you know, we always talk about how people were advanced in the past more than what we realized mm-hmm. that they were. I almost get the impression of like a, like a like a robot made from a different material that could have been something that was like ancient. So when he says a mm-hmm. ghost, he could be like a ghost of time. You know what I mean? Like metaphorically, but he could be like a, you know, before a great cataclysm, like robot or something like that, that found a way to temporarily survive or something like that, you know? But he said there was mm-hmm. more of them too. So yeah. maybe like theoretically, if it is some type of like robot, and there's one of them, it could rebuild another one, and then that could build another one, and you could basically have a whole, like, army of robots, essentially, you know, just off of one building the next one, because they'd understand the concept. Or even if there was two, and they had no idea, like, they could either learn how to rebuild themselves, or they could take the other one apart, rebuild it, and then boom, continue on building building through. So even if there was one of these ancient robots that was left, like, there could be more of them, because they could just rebuild off of each other, you know? Kind of like what Wally did. Yeah, exactly. And especially if they're made out of wood and stuff. I mean, that could be a, a concept that we completely don't understand. Like, maybe there was a time when people were able to like build electronics out of wood, and there was a time when people could build electronics out of stone. And now mm. we're building electronics out of totally different things. You know, like Patrolling advanced in different ways. You know. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a good good theory. I like that. I always like your theories. <laughs> I gotta hit you with the out there one because I was getting that like impression of like you know those like video games you play where there's like the wooden robots. Mm-hmm. And they're like medieval times like that. That was almost like the feel that I kind of got from it, too, because yeah, like, like that steampunk era. Yeah. And it, it, it theoretically, he was saying that he's scared of humans. and They know that they would hurt him. So what if he looked different, but he painted himself very shitty, trying to just seem less like scary. But, you know, back then, clowns weren't scary like we know them now because a lot of things have happened since back then. But, right. you know, maybe that was his way of trying to be more like, I don't know, just easier to like uh not scare off people because it's just a more welcoming face you know mm-hmm. yeah very well could be but bizarre to say the least j- yeah exactly so getting into possible theories and explanations which i'm sure we've kind of covered as we go through this um a human wearing a costume a fairy ghost or other type of paranormal or supernatural creature a robot an extraterrestrial a hoax or a shared hallucination but I'm going to kick the shared hallucination one right out of there. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think I agree with that one at all. Like, I would take it over that somebody was wearing a costume over that. Like, I don't believe in the whole, like, shared hallucination concept, you know? No. Especially when there's, like, ch- they're, they're children, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I, if, if children are seeing something, I, just from my experiences, believe that it's there because they have that, like, connection to, like, the mm-hmm. other realities. You know what I mean? Like, the imaginary friends... Like, I don't think that's a made-up construct. I legitimately think that these children have a connection sometimes to that third eye, you know? 
and they're oh, yeah, making totally. connections to other things that are existing within the same space as us. For sure. Yeah, I, I agree. Shared hallucination out the window. <laughs> so, I mean, like, I personally, if I if I had to like bet on this, if I was putting some money down on it in Vegas, I would uh the the rational mind considering it was made out of wood wants to say that it was more than likely a person in a costume but that doesn't explain the weird hut and how it disappeared because even if it was one man doing a hoax like how are you going to move that that quickly mm-hmm. uh, but actually no this that would have been a couple weeks later maybe it's still possible so i guess the rational mind would say that it's somebody in a costume but going into just like the weirdness of it and the eye thing and just the explanations um, if I had to guess with my conspiratorial side of my mind, <laughs> it would probably be an alien slash alien robot. I wouldn't just say like robot directly, but I mean, like I said, it could have been an ancient robot. That's still a possible theory. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know where I'd bet my money at. I, I have three pretty, pretty solid ones that I feel like it could possibly be. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much right there with you on, you know, it, logically your, your mind's going to go, OK, some dude dressed in a costume being weird with kids. Obviously, thank God, didn't harm him or kidnap him. But this shit we dig into, could it be uh, another dimensional time-traveling alien robot hybrid? You know, who knows? You know, it, it very well could be. And I mean, we keep talking about the clown thing, but it's one of those things that people are going to call something whatever they can rationalize the most in their mind so mm-hmm. you know the closest thing that the kids may have known that looked like this thing was a clown but that doesn't mean that it necessarily like looked anything like a clown it could have just been that they were relating it to a clown so now all of us see it as a clown but it doesn't mean that like it looked exactly like a clown that's just what they rationalized with that's what their mind played tricks on them with and i'm sure just because they had that idea in their mind it started to look more and more clown like right so i mean yeah. i almost wonder if there's more stories with this where we could dig into this area and see if there's more bizarre stories with things like this that aren't using the name of clown. Mm. See if there's more just like weird people luring people into metal huts possibly in this area and see if there's more more to this, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely make a note of that. Yeah, we can hit that one in a future episode. Because pretty much all of these, so everybody knows, we're, we're doing a... I guess this this one's a little bit more drawn out, but semi quick touching of everything. But we get more theories on stuff. We're we're planning on doubling back to some stuff. Um, we're hopefully not going to reuse the same sighting, so we may use the same descriptions. But um, like some of these stories, you know, it's kind of like a single sighting type thing. But you know, when we get to like Dogman, like we might hit that one a few times. But every time we hit it, we're going to hit you with different sightings, so you get different avenues and perspective of things. So yeah, because uh, when you get into Dogman, I mean. <sighs> You could even say the Rougarou could be a dog man. You know what I mean? In in description. But yet, you could also say the Rougarou could be a skinwalker as well. See, so, I've always gotten like a, just at least from my impression of it, like a kangaroo type looking thing. But at the same time though, like it's kind of a decrepit skin look. So I could definitely see the whole like skinwalker concept, but more of like mm-hmm. the, like, you know, everybody has the impression of like skinwalkers being like this type of like alien type thing. Like we're referring to like the the spiritual like Native the American Native, skidwalker yeah, Native legends. American. Yes, which I I could definitely see that. Yeah, because there was this one encounter 
um, this young boy, he, be, he was actually grew up to be a, a, a tribal chief, but when he was a boy, his parents went out to, uh, a, a tribal feast or something like that. And he was to watch over his sisters and he was, don't let anybody in no matter what. And he started hearing pounding on the door and you'd hear, let me in. And it got louder and louder. And he's like, no, you're not coming in. You're not welcome here. And the thing broke down the door and it jumped up on the table and grabbed a hold of this kid's arm. Well, this kid grabbed a nearby knife and, and sliced the Rougarou on its forearm. Now, this is where the skinwalker aspect kind of comes into it because in their native American, um, tale of this, um, down in Louisiana, I believe it's the Huma tribe. If I'm getting that correctly, if memory serves me right, um, they say the Rougarou is a possessed person. So, and even in the name Rougarou, uh, I think demon or devil is translated out of that. So what I'm getting at is the next day, this young boy went down to the docks by the river and saw his uncle there. And his uncle had a bandage in the same area where he had cut this creature. And that was the only way to get rid of the creature is if you drew blood and freed the spirit. So that's kind of how the, they relate to it is a skinwalker demon possessed type creature where others say the Rougarou is kind of like a, it's tall, but has a dog like face and such. So the, the Rougarou is interesting because it has a few different kind of descriptions in and of itself. Like, like I was saying, you had the skinwalker kind of connection with the, the Huma Indians and natives and then you have like local, just, I guess, regular Louisianians and they classify it more as a cryptid. So I, I don't know. It, it was, it was interesting. I, I watched a small little documentary docuseries on it today. We'll have to dig Not into that today. one in the future because yes. I've been yes. really wanting Last to night. dig into the Rougarou. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I highly encourage anybody out there bizarre encounters at outlook.com send us any of your your encounters right in if you want to be on the show if not if you just have an encounter and you want us to read it and kind of go over it like we did you know with this um weird alien clown being from sundown you know we can and maybe we can you know look into it a little bit more and uh, on your encounter and maybe see if we could find some different history that might kind of tie in into your encounter or whatnot. But yeah, we have a lot of ideas going forward with the show. Like we want to do a lot more of these, like we don't do list episodes. We want to do specific episodes on specific encounters, different paranormal things, aliens, things like that. But that'd be another awesome thing that we could do is if you guys were interested in sending us your story fully typed out, if you got something long and you want it to be kind of like, I don't want to say torn apart. Cause it sounds a little bit, you know, not dissected. Yeah, if you want to dissect it a bit where we could add on to it, comment on it, um, find more experiences like that, like we're totally open to that. If you guys have mm -hmm. any ideas of anything that you would love to see covered on this show, be it certain types of lists, which we have a lot of cool ones coming in the future. Uh, I think I talked about on the last show, talking about cryptid plants, which doesn't really get talked about very often. So that'll be yeah, a fun that, one. That is. Uh, but yeah, we got, we got a lot of fun 
different lists coming. So if you guys got any other ideas or anything that you want to touch base on, any paranormal stories, alien sightings, any of that fun stuff, just shoot us a message. All you got to do is just say the name of the creature, encounter, anything like that, and we'd be more than happy to cover it. Mm, totally. Yeah, just put it in the uh, the subject line, and uh, yeah, that way it fl- flags our attention to to what it is. And like I said, you know, maybe there is local lore that that can kind of tie shit in. You know, maybe maybe there is local lore with the the sundown clown of why it it picked that area or why these kids had that encounter, and then going back two years prior to that, why their dad had similar encounters with alien craft orbs, I guess you would call them. And then this thing appears to his daughter in an orb type thing. And you made reference that, Hey, what if this thing did land and they had to crawl into it because they were in a marsh. It sunk in, Mm -hmm. you know, it, all this stuff is fascinating. It obviously can't be covered in, in, you know, an hour and a half, two hours for an episode or whatever, because I mean, shit's deep i mean you can go anywhere you want with some of these stories shit we'll go up to part 10 if we need to if you guys are down to hear it and you want to hear it (laughs) we'll just keep (laughs) digging and going (laughs) but uh if anybody wants to help us expand the show a bit more um we do have merch available which would be sweet to just see some people wearing our merch um hopefully by the time you hear this i'll have some more designs added but if anybody does happen to purchase any of our merch um you know, send me a picture and I'd love to repost it, you know, give you, give you a nice little shout out, which would be really cool. Um, yeah. And if anybody wants to leave some awesome reviews, uh, be it good or bad, preferably good, but you know, you can have your own opinions. We'd love to read those on the show. That's another thing that, you know, we can do when we're, you know, touching butts in the beginning a little bit, (laughs) which would definitely be cool. So, uh, you know, while you're at it, just share the love, share the show. Uh, if you have any friends, like I said on the last one, that are into anything weird, be it aliens, cryptids, paranormal, you know, just recommend, drop our name, you know, just, you know, if you've ever heard of Bizarre Encounters podcast, you know, that's all you got to say. And then, mm-hmm. you know, they, you leave that little seed in their mind. Later on, they might look it up, you know, share the Instagram because that's all it takes too. you know, if you, if you have friends that are into some stuff, just mass, mass send it to everybody, man. Just spread the love because that's the only way the show will grow is with uh, all of your guys love to help it be nourished and flourish <laughs> yes get 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 all those bizarre encounters coming our way so if anybody wants to come and check out any of our awesome stuff uh all available under one link tree link made it quick and easy uh you can also find it in the show description but l-i-n-k-t-r period e-e slash bizarre encounters i'm ghost and i'm shane until next time stay bizarre keep it weird